Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. As entrepreneurs, we have the opportunity to build business as this vehicle to serve us in all the ways to freedom from, to give us you know, the location and time and, and financial freedom, but then also the freedom to do the activities that we want to do, that we enjoy, that we get you know, fulfillment from, to serve the people that we want, to have an impact, to matter, to contribute. Business has the potential to do that. most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Bowles. Welcome to the Maverick Show. My guest today is Nate Ginsberg. He is a location-independent entrepreneur, investor, e-com specialist, world traveler, and a passionate yogi. He has successfully built seven-figure businesses on two different continents and already had one successful exit for nearly a million dollars. He is currently the co-founder and CEO of SellerPlex, which helps entrepreneurs build better, more fun, and more profitable business. Nate specializes in helping bootstrapped, profitable Amazon FBA businesses increase their value, prepare for, and maximize their exit. He is also the host of the Ecom Exits podcast and author of the FBA Exit Blueprint, how to unplug from your business, scale, and sell for seven figures. And he has traveled the world now and been to over 50 different countries. Nate, welcome to the show. Man, glad to be here. Thank you. So good to have you here, my man. You and I have known each other now going on three years, I want to say. And the last time we saw each other was in 2019 in Bangkok. And I feel like we were on a rooftop party hanging out in Thailand. We were on a rooftop partying in Thailand, in Bangkok. (laughs) But also earlier in the day for the event that we were there, I remember, you know, jamming at at a mastermind. So yeah, had like the business, little business jam. And then as a part of the event, and then also some rooftop party in Bangkok. (laughs) That's right, man. That was awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, I want to open this up with one of the things that has always struck me about you. You are the most talented yogi that I personally know. And I'm always very impressed to watch the different yoga pictures and videos that you are posting. But my all-time favorite thing that you have ever posted was the yoga photo shoot that you did in New York City, which has photos of you doing these amazing yoga poses, handstands and things like this, literally in the middle of New York City streets. Like the cars Mm. are stopped at the red light. You're in the crosswalk doing yoga handstands with and all this kind of stuff. And the way that that shoot went down, man, I was just so blown away by it. One, because I just 
dearly, dearly love New York City. And like all of that scenery was Ooh. amazing. And then there's you doing these epic yoga poses in the middle of it all. And it just blew me away, man. So I would love for you to tell a little bit about the story of how that photo shoot came about and what that was like to do that. Yeah, sure. I mean, at the time was definitely pushing my comfort zone. So yeah, to, you know, some more context. So this was the summer after I sold my business. And one of my dreams at the time was like, oh, like New York City, I think I share your passion or love affair with NYC. And so yeah, so I did, you know, I had this awesome apartment in the village was living with one of my best friends. And, and, you know, really was there and trying to figure out what I want to do, what's important. I mean, I've had a couple of these periods in my life and career where it's very introspective and, you know, understand what to do next and all this kind of stuff. And this was, you know, one of the first maybe of those times. So through my kind of exploration, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, I've, you know, been really into yoga for man, eight years now, almost seven years, eight years, something like that. So it's been a while. And, you know, at the time, yoga was a big part of my life already. And so through Instagram, I connected with this awesome girl. Her name is Rebecca Lech. And we met when I was in New York. And she is also an entrepreneur, actually also an Amazon entrepreneur, you know, I mean, she's incredibly physically talented. And, you know, we had the business and the yoga stuff in common and connected on Instagram and met up in New York. And I remember I was telling her about, yeah, just kind of exploring different directions to go. You know, one thing that I wanted to lean into more was just like sharing authentically these different parts of my life and, you know, personal brand, you know, whatever that means. And Rebecca was just like, hey, like, cool, like, let's do a photo shoot with my photographer. And I was just like, uh, Sure, <laughs> you know, let's do it. <laughs> so yeah, and you know, I'd never done anything like this before. You know, I've been practicing yoga for a long time, but yeah, had never done something like this. It was, you know, a bit uncomfortable. But yeah, you know, fuck it. Agreed. And a couple of days later, met up with Rebecca and her photographer, this guy Flickman, down in financial district. So yeah, we get down there, you know, it's New York, like the afternoon. It's crowded, it's busy. And the photographer, you know, we stop at this, like, there's like a, a light, an intersection. And, you know, the photographer's just like, all right, like, this is the spot. I'm like, okay. So he's like, all right, go, like, you know, go do a handstand in the middle of the street. <laughs> I was just like, uh, what? It's <laughs> like, yeah, 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 it'll be great. Like, you know, go out there, you know, just do a handstand. And I was just like, whew, you know, okay. So also to, to add to the, challenge or uncomfortableness. It's like I go, I take my shirt off. I'm shirtless for this for this shoot. And so all of a sudden I'm there, this guy wearing these freaking, you know, yoga leggings, no shirt on, <laughs> the middle of financial district. It's like a busy, you know, street. And the light turns red, the cars and buses stop. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, go, go now. So I just, you know, run out there and with all of this around me, try to like compose myself enough to hold a handstand, which is, I mean, I've, I've practiced handstands a lot. You know, there's a lot of pressure here. And anyway, so go out there, you know, do my best. It actually took a couple of tries. You know, I'd go out there, I'd try to do it, I'd mess it up. Then the, the light would turn green, I'd have to run, you know, run out and turn red again. And so yeah, I'd go back in there until finally he ended up uh, snapping this like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty epic picture. It's like, um, you know, in the middle of the street holding this handstand in, you know, in the middle of New York. And like, you can see at the stoplight, there's like a bus of tourists, you know, one of those double decker buses, like no top buses. And you can see in the picture in the background, a bunch of these tourists on this bus that are like looking out over the side and like taking pictures of me while I'm in the middle of the street doing the handstand. And it turned out great. It was a great experience. It was also uncomfortable, but yeah, super glad I did it and glad you liked the pictures as well. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, I want to now go all the way back. Nate, can you talk a little bit about where you grew up and as you were growing up, where did your passion for travel come from? I grew up in the suburbs in Minneapolis. Yeah, it was like a normal suburban American upbringing. But I think one thing that my parents instilled in me, so both my parents were transplants. They actually both grew up in on the East Coast. So, you know, I always kind of had this idea that like, oh, you grow up 
somewhere and then you decide where you want to live and you go there. And like, I kind of had that from the experience with my, what both my parents did. And, and yeah, and both my, like my mom traveled a lot for her work when I was growing up and she took me abroad actually with her a couple trips when I was the first time, I think when I was 12, we went to London or something. And then a couple years later, took me on another trip, I think to like Ireland or to Paris. You know, my mom was always really excited about international travel, which I think, you know, kind of planted these seeds. And, you know, I guess kind of fast forward, you know, got into college and, you know, I graduated college in 2010, which was not a great job market. (laughs) And to be honest, I didn't want to just like get a stupid job. I always just had this craving, I don't know, for something more adventure, excitement, like living a good life. And yeah, so then after college, I decided to go teach English in Korea, as opposed, you know, I mean, there wasn't a great job opportunities anyway, and I wanted to travel. I went to Korea was like the first time in Asia and kind of the start of my now what has kind of become like the you know majority of the last 10 years of my life abroad. I would love to hear about that, though, in terms of your experience in Korea. I went to Korea for the first time in 2018. I spent about five weeks in Seoul and then also went down to Busan. And I just thought it was a spectacular country. I think it's one of the most underrated countries in Asia, in my opinion. I haven't heard people raving about it as much as I have other places. Mm. And I went there and I really, really enjoyed my time there. But I'd love to hear how that was for you. And then what did you do after you taught English there for a year? What were sort of your next moves and how did your entrepreneurial trajectory begin? So got to Korea, wanted to travel, wanted adventure. And I definitely got some of that, you know, traveled all around Asia. My first time, I mean, Korea is a crazy place. It's about as different as it gets to America as anywhere, (laughs) you know, had a lot of great experiences, but you know, I had a nine to five job as a teacher there. So after my contract in Korea finished, I was backpacking on my way home from Asia, you know, I was doing a kind of classic backpack loop, two months, Vietnam, North to South, up into Thailand, Cambodia, Laos. I was on the middle of this trip, was actually up in Pai, in uh, this little town in northern Thailand, actually just a couple hours from where I am now in Chiang Mai. And when I was backpacking, I met this guy. We were staying at the same hostel, this guy, uh, Andrew. Andrew was doing some business from his computer. The first location-independent digital nomad that I ever met. This was in the fall of 2011. And I'll never forget it. After meeting Andrew, it was like, it just became so obvious to me what I wanted to do and really just lit a fire under me. I mean, meeting him just totally blew my mind that like, this is a thing. You can run a business while traveling. You can hire people from all over the world. This was, you know, totally blew my mind. And after meeting him, it was so clear that that's what, I wanted to do too. After meeting Andrew, he kind of put these ideas for these lead gen, building these lead gen SEO websites, you know, kind of into my head and got back home. You know, I had no job. I had some money saved up from my time in Korea and got to work trying to build a business. And yeah, things didn't go as I originally planned. (laughs) You know, long story short, spent all my money, moved back home, had to figure something out for myself. Fast forward, was able to figure some things out for myself, started taking off traveling. This was in the spring of 2013. That was kind of where the journey began. (laughs) So let me ask you about this, Nate. I want to definitely go into what you locked into and how you built your successful business and exited. And I want you to tell that story. But before we do that, can you talk about during this period where you had a vision, you were inspired to do it, and you tried, and you tried, and you tried again, and you failed, and you failed, and you failed again, and you had to go home, and you had to live with your parents, and you're trying to figure out what to do, and you had failed a number of consecutive times, because I feel like at that point, a lot of people give up, and then they go back into the corporate world, and then they get a job where they do something, and they say to themselves, Other people apparently are doing this, but maybe I can't, or it's not for me. Or maybe those people are just lying about it on Instagram and they're not even doing it or whatever, right? People come with to a defeatist attitude after they fail a number of times. So 
after you were in that moment and you hit bottom, what were the sort of the mental and the emotional techniques that you used to continue going and to believe that if you just kept going, you could figure it out? Yeah, you, you know, I mean, it's it's such a roller coaster, right? You know, when I got started, honestly, I was high, I was manic. You know, these dreams of my own business and traveling the world, and not you, not my parents, not my friends. No one was going to tell me that I wasn't going to be a freaking millionaire next year. And man, I mean, it's hard. You know, it's like you're on this high. You're so sure that this is going to work. And then as time goes on, it's like, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, fear and doubt starts to creep in. It's like, wait, the first time it's like, maybe this isn't going to work. What if this doesn't work? And fast forward, you know, reality setting in more for me was like, all right, I had savings that I burned through, <laughs> you know, as the savings were dwindling down to zero you get hit pretty hard with reality and you know you got to make some really difficult decisions and that was hard like that was a really tough time i mean i remember honestly man i was depressed i was living in chicago with a good friend of mine at the time and i remember like had trouble getting out of bed in the morning just felt lost unsure you know yeah i mean i think it's like the symptoms of depression i was really you know struggling with i, I didn't know what to do where to go and yeah, at that time, like what I did is I didn't know that many entrepreneurs, but I reached out to the ones that I did and had a couple conversations. Actually, some people like I met in Chicago, I, I reached out to some people and, you know, they took a meeting with me just to meet and kind of say hi. And as well as had a couple phone calls with like, you know, the few entrepreneurs that I was connected to. And the advice that I got, you know, at the time I was, you know, 20, Four twenty something like that, and you know the advice was like, all right, look, you know you're young, you know you've got this dream, and you've got nothing to lose. You have the opportunity to keep on pursuing this. You're still able to keep on pursuing this, and worst case scenario, you get a job in a year, and best case scenario, things work and your career and this you know life that you've dreamed of moves forward. So yeah, you know, this was like also tough advice to hear because what that meant is moving back home with my parents, not something that's super appealing to a 24-year-old who was recently high on these dreams of successful business entrepreneur. But yeah, but anyway, you know, I, I took that advice. I, I swallowed my pride, moved back home. And yeah, like that's when things started to, you know, kind of turn around for me. And what actually started to work was freelancing on Upwork or at the time Odesk. You know, I realized I was learning some digital marketing skills through these businesses and pursuits that I was trying to do. And yeah, so started to make some money freelancing. And eventually, you know, it actually wasn't that hard to build up like a couple grand a month in, in income. That's when I took off again. So it was like six months or so at home, built up some enough income to at least cover my expenses while traveling. And yeah, took off then. This was the spring of 2013. And uh, I guess that's the next stage in the journey. Yeah, man. So when was the breakthrough where all of a sudden, you know, you found the path that was going to work for you? And what was that journey like? Sure. At the time, I was living in Ho Chi Minh City. And I got there as a part of from the Dynamite Circle community, which was the mastermind event that we last were at together last year. I joined that group. This was, you know, a lot of years ago. And I went over for my first they have their, you know, big DCBKK event that I attended. And this is the end of 2013. When I was over there, meeting the other people, it just it felt like I found my community, my tribe. And basically stayed, you know, there was a big group from that community that was living in Ho Chi Minh City at the time, which became my home. And so, so Saigon was home for the next like four or so years. And, you know, as a part of that community, like that's where I, you know, just totally, you know, I'm a, a huge believer. You're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And, you know, these people, they had amazing businesses and a lot of them were doing e-commerce. And so that's where I 
kind of got the the seeds were planted of like, oh, you know, e-commerce, you build a business, you work on the business, you're not in the business, you know, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, so it was from that that I got turned on to Amazon FBA, which for those that, you know, may not be familiar, you know, basically selling stuff on Amazon, you know, using Amazon as a sales channel. And yeah, like, you know, tried a bunch of different stuff before landing on this business or this model that it worked, (laughs) started taking off. This was in 2015, I think, the spring of 2015, where that business really started to take off. It's like doubling every month for, you know, half a year. You know, that's what got me into the next stage of my journey. So can you explain how that business model works? Like, what did you have to do to be a successful Amazon FBA e-com company? Like, what are the component parts of that? What were you actually doing? What was the business? It's like Amazon SEO. And so it's really, you know, it's like people go to Amazon searching for all kinds of different stuff all the time. And the way that game is played, it's like, all right, you know, coffee mugs. So people are going to Amazon, typing in coffee mugs. They click the response, you know, whatever's in the search results and they buy it. And so the game, it's to find a product that you can successfully market and rank on Amazon that you show up when someone types in widget product name. And when they do, they click on your listing and they buy it. And, you know, that's how you make sales. And success there, it's really about, you know, product selection, finding the right opportunities that you can have success, you know, launching and ranking for. And the nice thing with Amazon, it's like when you have a product that's ranking, it's just every day sales come in. It's quite stable and consistent once you are ranking. It's like the business is, it can be quite automated and actually a a very simple business and model. And so it's good to get a start with. I mean, built a lot of skills in that business. Again, it's it's way easier, honestly, like as a model compared to a lot of other types of businesses. So it was good to kind of have that as like one of the, you know, the first experience. How has the landscape changed for Amazon FBA or e-com in general in terms of from the time that you started and got your initial success Till today. And for people that are interested in starting to go into the space today, what tips do you have for succeeding? Yeah, man. I mean, it's really transformed, to be honest. You know, now it's like, one, you're competing with more experienced sellers. And so when I was getting started, like, not that many people had experience. That was kind of the playing field. But now, five years later, six years later, the competition has changed quite a bit. You're now you're competing with like, people that have been in the game for years and like know what they're doing as well as now there are these like more and more funds that are coming in that have a ton of money, have a ton of resources that are, they're like trying to make moves in the space and are, you know, are making moves in the space. And so it's gotten a lot harder and more competitive. And if somebody still wants to enter the space today, is it still profitable for people to consider that as an initial business model if they don't have any experience? And if so, what are sort of the tips for jumping in and getting started? Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, like if if I was looking to get a start today, I would not go to Amazon. The thing is, I mean, it's expensive, you know, physical products, e-commerce, you know, let's just say, okay, great. You know, you want to sell a product, you find an opportunity and okay. So you, you know, your initial orders, a thousand units and you know, okay, that's cash out of pocket. And so you spend, you know, you have upfront this investment and then, you know, production takes a month, shipping takes a month, and you're not actually selling that product for two months if you're lucky you're going to be starting to like make your first sale after you've outlaid, you know, thousands of dollars on this business. You know, let's just assume that you find an opportunity that you can have success with, which is hard. I mean, Amazon's it's very competitive and first-time sellers can have success, but it, it might take your second or third try to even get something that can make sales. But anyway, let's just say that, yes, like you do have some success, you are able to make sales, then okay, you know, you're selling through your initial 1000, you know, units, let's say you're doing 10 sales a day, great, you know, so now you're going through, and it takes you two months to get your production. And so when you're at like, 
you've only sold through two thirds of your inventory and now you got to place another order. And so you haven't even recouped your initial investment and boom, there's more money that you got to spend out of pocket. And as the business grows, honestly, you're just, you're on this, it's just this, this cash treadmill. And like I was there, you know, even if your business takes off, it's like, the revenue for my business was growing, you know, it doubled every month for a while. And, you know, I was doing all this revenue, but like my bank account wasn't, you know, I still had like $2,000 in my bank account. You know, that's what led me to eventually, like, you know, I sold half my business, I took on a business partner. And like, that's what changed my financial situation. And then later, you know, sold the business. And so, you know, had a good outcome there. I mean, you can make a lot of money with e-commerce, but a lot of it, especially with Amazon, it, it comes at the exit. And, you know, for someone that's starting out, like, there are a lot easier and more direct ways to make income to cover your. I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes, sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, the physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. Expenses than selling on Amazon, in my opinion. Right. So take us through your path, Nate, and how you navigated this. So you mentioned you you found a product, you figured out how to sell it and generate increasing revenue. Then you just said you took on a business partner and that you were able to increase your available capital right through that. And then from there, what was your path to building and exiting that business? A good friend of mine that I knew from living in Vietnam. I mean, he was a good friend. He was a, you know, had been a mentor to me. He had just exited his Amazon related software business for eight figures. And so he had a bunch of cash. He knew Amazon. He was looking to get more involved as an investor now. And yeah, it was just like I remember I, I got back to to Vietnam. I don't I don't remember where I was. I was traveling and you know was just like catching up with Travis. And was just kind of mentioning like, oh yeah, you know, business, it's, it's going really well. And, and he knew, like we were friends and would, you know, share with him how the business was developing. And oh, you know, he, he knew that things were going well and sales were good. But yeah, I remember just, we were chatting at the co-working space and it was just like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about what to do next. And maybe do I want to sell the business and get some cash or take on an investor? And like, you know, Travis is kind of, I don't know, perked up. and was like, oh, interesting. I'm trying to make some investments. And it's <laughs> like, oh interesting. And so long story short, we came to an agreement where he bought 49% of that business. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was my first financial windfall getting, you know, multiple six figures cash into my bank. It was life changing, you know, going from 5k in my bank account to multiple six figures is totally next level up on like the entrepreneurial journey ladder. So with that, you know, and then the business um, continued to grow, you know, I think it like doubled or something in the following year. And then basically, you know, Travis, will, you know, again, was, was on a call just kind of catching up with Travis. And he mentioned that he might have a buyer for our business. And was I interested in selling? And, you know, I thought about it. And yes, <laughs> I was interested. Basically, two days later, I'm on a plane to China to meet the buyer. It was this big uh, like Chinese Amazon conglomerate factory. Like they've got, you know, hundreds of employees. And and yeah, you know, had a flew to China to to meet with the owner of that business to come to an agreement to to buy mine. And, you know, again, long story short, came to an agreement and you know that turned into the sale of of that business. That's awesome, man. That's amazing. 
but you didn't just retire, Nate, after you sold the business. So what did that feel like? And then what was your sort of process for deciding upon the next steps? And then what was your next move in your next direction? Yeah, I mean, at that time was a lot of introspection and questioning, you know, what do I want? What am I good at? How can I help people? What's important? You know, that was one of the first kind of deep dives in like, you know, purpose and meaning and fulfillment. And I dove into, um, you know, a ton of books and resources and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And through that, I realized that, you know, one of my, uh, I guess, business superpowers is, is really building teams with my business. You know, and a big thing that contributed to my success was my ability to, you know, hire and build teams. I've had this philosophy for a while, you know, the goal work on the business, not in the business, understand your role and how you can contribute, and then, you know, get great people around you to do the other roles. That was kind of my jam. I mean, like, I always loved hiring, I always loved team building. I had a really, you know, strong track record with it. And I thought that this was a way that I could get involved with and help other businesses. And, you know, I had that positive experience taking on an investor. And I thought, oh, great. Like, that's what I want to do next. I want to become an investor and start investing in other people's businesses. Long story short, found the first business opportunity to invest in, which was someone that I also knew who had um, an Amazon advertising agency, which was a space that I was familiar with. And yeah, I mean, that, you know, Brent was, you know, he was doing good. The business was you know, making low six figures, but, you know, had potential to grow, but Brent needed help with the the team building and designing the organization and, you know, how to scale the business. And, you know, these were skills that I had, you know, that I had kind of built through my businesses. Travis and I actually both invested in Brent and the Amazon advertising agency. Fast forward, it went really well. The business was, you know, growing, like I was able to, you know, help, you know, some of my best skills in business. It's like, it's really like understanding the big opportunity and then working backwards and prioritizing the one thing to keep moving things forward, kind of seeing the vision and seeing the path to get to the vision. And then as well as the team building, the hiring and, you know, architecting the business to scale and to, you know, be a vehicle that serves the owner as opposed to the owner, you know, serving the business. It was going well. I mean, you know, fast forward now, the business is 10x. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's like on a really exciting trajectory and it's totally transformed from when I first got involved. You know, maybe half a year, a year or so in, I'm like, oh, like, this is cool. This is working well. Oh, like, I want to do this again. And so, you know, found another investment opportunity, kind of similar thing. Fast forward, it was going well, found another opportunity. And, and then also realized, like, as an investor, you can have an impact. It's very, you know, quality, not quantity. My role as an investor is more of as an advisor. I'm an advisor too. You know, yeah, there's a cash component, but I'm also trying to help. And, you know, yesterday, for example, had two quarterly planning calls with two of my business partners. You know, I, I like that stuff. I'm happy to be involved, but it doesn't scale. I mean, I can't have a thousand quarterly planning calls. I, I just do you know, There's not enough time in the day. Then I realized, but oh, but there's still these same sort of skills and, you know, kind of teachings. And a lot of it, you know, turned on to services of what, how I was helping these companies as an investor partner. I also could just help other people, you know, not as an investor partner, you know, as a fee for service or selling courses. So that turned into Sellerplex, which is selling, you know, as a service, a lot of these services that I was helping the companies that I invested in as a partner, just, you know, offering services, you know, aimed at helping the entrepreneur to unplug from the day to day, you know, focus on the stuff that they enjoy the most, you know, build a business that serves them as opposed to them, you know, being stuck working in the business. And yeah, and so so that that's what evolved into Sellerplex. And now, you know, the kind of the next evolution of that, you know, is really teaching. And I mean, you know, some people want services and, and we do have services. Oh, you want us to, you know, hire out your team. You want us to manage your supply chain. You want us to fix up your finances. We can do that. But what I also have come to realize is that what a lot of people need is, you know, like Sellerplex, the services are, are, are tactics. And tactics are important, but 
you need to have the right strategy and mindset and like understanding of you know the potential of business be a vehicle for you and and how that fits into your life you know you need to understand that first before you can apply the tactics to have the success you know where you want to go and so that's really where my focus has been recently is a lot of is publishing and so been publishing a lot on social media and you know now getting some some ads behind it but yeah, you know, sharing, you know, stories and lessons and, you know, these business philosophy that I have learned over the last freaking 10 years of my career for my businesses, from, you know, investing in other businesses. I've built in, you know, and been involved with, um, you know, with seven-figure businesses, physical products, agencies, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, very different businesses and models that I now have a lot of exposure and experience with sharing those lessons and learnings to help other people. And yeah, like that's what I want to do now. It's, you know, help more entrepreneurs build better businesses that serve them and get more happiness and fulfillment as well as, you know, profit and income. I I love that too. It's all, you know, pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. I wanted to ask you to build on that a little bit, Nate, in terms of what role for you does mindfulness play in business? And particularly also recently, you and I have been chatting and I know you've been doing a lot of reflecting on the concepts of freedom and alignment and fulfillment. You know, So if you were to sort of distill that down and summarize that, what role do those play for you as the core of business success? I don't know if anything's more important. You know, you think about getting into business, you know, why do you want to get into business? And, you know, for me personally, a big driver was freedom, right? Oh, you know, I want to be free, location free, time freedom, financial freedom. For me, at least, that was the goal for a while. And then, you know what? Fast forward and, you know, you achieve that kind of a freedom. And, you know, and I've been there and, you know, okay, great. I have the freedom that I'm striving after. And then you get it. And like, you know, on the other side, you're not happy and fulfilled, you're actually empty and, you know, uncertain, and even borderline depressed. And that kind of, you know, comes into that, that second journey of like, all right, great, you know, you've achieved freedom from, you know, what you're running away from, you know, broken free of the chains of whatever life that you want to avoid. And then it's great, you know, now you're there. But then it's, you know, what are you moving towards? It's like you've achieved this, you have this opportunity, you know, you have a blank slate and that gives you the opportunity of, you know, freedom to what, you know, to pursue things that matter to you, to do the activities in your days, in your business that give you energy that you enjoy, you know, put your talents to best use, the freedom to serve people that you care about serving. That's where fulfillment comes from. That's where alignment comes from, you know, recognizing who you are, what are your gifts, how you can apply them to create value to others, who you want to serve, who you want to create value to. That's that whole second part of the equation, you know, and then you have the opportunity, you know, with business to build it in a way that gives you all of these things. And like, you know, I believe so strongly about this, you know, as entrepreneurs, we have the opportunity of to build business as this vehicle to serve us in in all the ways to freedom from to give us you know the location and time and and financial freedom but then also the freedom to do the activities that we want to do that we enjoy that we get you know fulfillment from to serve the people that we want to have an impact to matter to contribute like business has the potential to do that So that's really been that journey that I've been on now is really trying to understand that as well as help others. I mean, it's not talked about enough. Everyone's talking about, oh, you know, scale your business, add another marketing channel, make more money. And like, again, I'm all about building big businesses and, you know, make more money, scale. Like, that's great. But what they don't talk about, it's like all this other stuff, you know, once you get there, all right, great, you're making money, you're free. And like, now what? That's kind of where I see the mindfulness fulfillment aspects kind of, you know, fitting in. I also want to ask you about your choice to make travel such a central component of your lifestyle. And you talked a little bit earlier 
about your initial passion and excitement for wanting to start your travel journey and wanting to go experience these things. And now, 10 years later, 50 countries later, as you reflect back on travel, I want to ask you, Nate, what does travel mean to you at this point in your life? What do you get out of it? Why do you choose to make travel such a central component of your life? It's changed a lot over the years. I mean, at first, it was all about you know, I had this drive to see the world. Those who don't travel, it's like reading a book where you only read one page. And I believe that. I mean, and it, it's true. Like, you know, that was a big thing. Like, I, I wanted to experience and, and to, you know, see new places, know new things. Like, I had this thirst for experience and, you know, adventure. You know, you do that for five years, six years, you know, a while. And, for me, at least, you, you kind of scratch that itch. And I mean, look, I, I still I love travel. I love you know new experiences. I still love adventure. But like, you know, it's it's different. I mean, it's it's not as you know before. It was like, oh, I had you know this long bucket list, all the places I wanted to go and things I wanted to experience. And I've done a lot of it. Look, it was great. It is great. But you know, as a result of COVID, you know, this forced slow down. I've pretty much been in Chiang Mai and I haven't been this still in the past decade. And being still and and being here it, it's got me to, you know, realize and appreciate different things that are now you, you know equally or or more important to me and stuff like, you know, honestly like having a good routine. Like man, I love my routine, you know, and I love it because it's great. I do work that I enjoy and I move things forward. I do a ton of yoga. I do a ton of biking. I love biking. I get a ton of massages. You know, I know where to eat. I eat super healthy. It's a great environment to really, you know, push forward projects that are really important to me. And, and I have, and I've made incredible progress in my businesses and in my career this year because of that routine and because of that forced stillness. And so that's really changed my perspective of like what I want and you know the role that travel plays in my life and and look like I still love travel and you know going to new places, connecting with new people, that is all is still, you know, very important to me. But also now, you know, important is like being in a place that allows me to push forward the projects that are important to me. And like, I have this alignment now and just clarity of, you know, what I want to do and who I want to serve and how I'm going to serve them. That's most important to me over everything else. Being who I know I am and serving the people that I want to serve, that's the number one. And so I now need to make sure that my life around that supports that as my number one mission, which you know isn't bouncing from place to place week to week. It's like I, I need to be in a place where I'm able to do good work to push forward with like now what I understand as my you know like mission in life and career. I want to ask you also about how you structure your days and how you structure your weeks to optimize your productivity and create the, I mean, both the life with the balance and all the things that you're talking about, but also how you're able to have the level of productivity and output on the business side that you're able to have. What does your day structure or your week structure look like? Fridays are kind of a transition day for me, like into the weekend. I mean, I don't like go super crazy. Mondays are, you know, focus writing days. Thursdays also are like focus work days. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you know, I've got calls with my team. I've got, you know, some other stuff. I do focus work. But yeah, so that's kind of on the week side. On the day to day, you know, I try to do most of my work in the morning. So do my work in the morning, you know, knock out the important stuff first. And then, you know, have the afternoon where, you know, calls, catching up with my team, doing calls with my business partners, as well as exercise. I like to do yoga. I mean, these days, my, my go-to yoga studio in Chiang Mai closed. So I am doing yoga at home and I'll do yoga before lunch, which I don't know, the timing works for me. <laughs> and then in the afternoon, some other physical activity. I'm very physically active. I love physical activity. Every day, I like to do yoga as well as something, go for a walk, 
go for a bike ride, go to the gym. That's kind of my time at the end of the day to, you know, get some exercise as well as, you know, kind of like process the day. I mean, biking is something, I mean, I love biking and it's such great thinking time and just to, you know, get some distance from, you know, the day and kind of let ideas settle and just kind of get out of your mind and, you know, and yeah, and and make connections. And so that's on the, you know, on the day-to-day side. Sometimes, you know, I'll have maybe a a couple times a week, I'll have a, a call in the evening. I love massages, which also are good, you know, thinking time. I mean, it's a good life here in Chiang Mai. That's why I'm happy to be here. It's a great routine. I've looked, I mean, I'm currently not trying to leave Thailand. I've been other places in Thailand and I don't think I can achieve the same level of all those things that I just mentioned that kind of make up my day-to-day life here. I haven't found somewhere else that I'm able to check those boxes as much as I am while I'm here. I also want to ask you, Nate, how you manage stress as an entrepreneur. When that entrepreneurial roller coaster takes the downswing, you get setbacks, you know, high stress events occur in your life. How do you manage and mitigate that stress when it occurs? What are your techniques for that? Yeah. So a couple of things, I mean, you know, managing stress, I mean, stress and everything, all emotion, you know, positive and negative entirely 100% is all in your head. You know, it's all in your mind, whether you're happy, excited, stressed, nervous, anxious, external events can trigger certain things, but ultimately the determinant of your stress is you. And like, that's a lot of, again, the, you know, mindfulness, Michael A. Singer, he has a lot of great stuff about this. But yeah, I mean, a few things that have been, you know, kind of useful. So one from the the Bhagavad Gita, it talks about your mission in life is to understand your work and to do your work, but be unattached to the outcome. Commit to doing your work the best you can. But at a certain point, you know, what happens after that, it's not up to you. And so recognizing that, and, and yeah, and you know, when it comes to stress and anxiety, a lot of it, again, it's like, it's really, it's, it's all in your head. And so, you know, recognizing when you are stressed or anxious, this is mindfulness, you know, recognizing that stress is your reaction to what's going on. But, you know, stuff that I've been thinking a lot about and learning, any stress or anxiety or pain or suffering necessarily, it it all happens when you're thinking about the future or the past. You know, you, you regret some decision that you made or you're anxious, double guessing something that you did or, oh, should you have done it differently? That's unpleasant. That gives you anxiety or the future. You think you want something that you're worried you're not going to get. You're worried about that suffering. That's painful. But if you're in the present moment, there is no suffering. There's no, you know, anxiety. And, you know, in realizing that unless you're like in actual physical pain, you know, in the moment, then like stress and anxiety, it's not available when you're present in where you are now and you're not attached to the past or the future. And I'm not saying that it's easy, but I'm saying that it's possible. And look, like not that I'm you know, I still get stressed, I still get worried. But you know what, I'm less anxious than I was before, you know, I worry less than I did before. And like, the more that I can, you know, remember that to be unattached to what I think that I want, and really just accepting of reality, it makes stress and anxiety and the negative emotions go away. That's awesome advice, man. All right, Nate, at this point, are you ready to move in to the lightning round? I'm ready. Let's do it. The lightning round. All right. What is one book that has significantly impacted you that you would most recommend people check out? I'd say The The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. Awesome. What is one content medium? Either it could be a podcast or a blog or a YouTube show. One podcast medium that you consume that you would encourage people to check out. I've been really enjoying Noah Kagan's podcast. I mean, Noah, super successful entrepreneur and also 
gets into some of these deeper, you know, happiness, purpose kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, knows the man and really enjoying his podcast recently. Awesome. Who is one person currently alive today that you've never met that you would most love to have dinner with one-on-one, just you and that person? Maybe Tony Robbins, actually. Okay. If you could go back in time and give one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, knowing everything that you know now, what would you say to 18-year-old Nate? I would say build skills, invest in yourself by building skills. (laughs) Awesome. What are your top three favorite travel destinations you've ever been that you'd most recommend people check out? I'll say Chiang Mai for one. I love Lisbon, Portugal, and New York City. Awesome. All right, last question. What are your top three bucket list destinations, places that you've never been that are the highest on your list you would most love to go and experience? I think Brazil. I've never been to Brazil. I've never been to Colombia. So Brazil, Colombia, and Mexico City. I've been to Mexico, but never been to uh, Mexico City. Awesome. I've been to all three of those places, man. Those are very good picks. So if you ever want to (laughs) go, hit me up for some recommendations, my man. All right, Nate, I want you to let folks know how they can find you and follow you on social media, how they can check out your podcast, Ecom Exits, if they're interested in that. And also... If you can say a little bit more about what Sellerplex offers and who the ideal customer is that could benefit from Sellerplex's services that might be interested in connecting with you for that reason. The best thing is going to be to connect with me on social media. And so, like I said, I've, you know, really been been publishing a lot. And so for, you know, any listeners that are interested in some of these things that we've been talking about here check out my Instagram or Facebook, you know, at Nate Ginsburg or just Nate Ginsburg on Facebook. And I talk about a lot of these things, you know, on social. And uh, yeah, that's probably the best place to connect with me. I mean, if there happen to be any, you know, FBA sellers that are looking for, you know, help running their business, unplugging, automating, scaling, you know, feel free to check out Sellerplex. But, you know, more, and even for them, you know, connect with me on social media, add me on Instagram, add me on Facebook, you'll get a lot better sense of who I am and, you know, what I value and, you know, ways that we may be able to work together or how I can potentially support you in your journey. Awesome. We are going to link all of that up in the show notes, folks. So you can just go to one place at themaverickshow.com. Just go to the show notes for this episode. And there you will find the links to everything that Nate is up to, all his social media handles, website links, and everything else. Nate, I want to thank you so much for being on the show, my man. This was great catching up with you. This was, man, really fun. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, Hope your listeners enjoyed it and hope we can meet up again at a rooftop bar somewhere in the world sometime sooner rather than later. (laughs) I hope so as well. I will look forward to that. All right. Good night, everybody. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Learn how Maverick Investor Group can help you buy cash-flowing rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets, regardless of where you live. Schedule a free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com slash consult. Now you can buy rental properties with tenants and local property management in place so you don't have to be a landlord or a rehabber to get your questions answered and discuss how Maverick Investor Group can help you meet your real estate investing goals. Schedule your free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com forward slash consult. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks, and you can get your first one for free at themaverickshow.com slash audiobook. Whether you want the latest best-selling novels or books on investing, business, or travel, try your first audiobook for free at themaverickshow.com forward slash audiobook.